This is Expert Insights, Physician Views and News, a clinical podcast from the Christ Hospital Health Network. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Every year, nearly 5 million Americans learn they have heart valve disease. Awareness and early detection can save lives, so knowing the symptoms of the disease is important. My guest today is Dr. Mario Castillo-Sang. He's a cardiothoracic surgeon with the Christ Hospital Health Network. Welcome to the show, Dr. Castillo-Sang. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of valve disease and replacement as it's happening. Well, thank you for the invitation to speak with you. The valve disease of the mitral valve specifically is very common all among the U.S. population. Uh, Unfortunately, a good number of patients uh, do develop symptoms from valve disease. One of the most common problems with a mitral valve, which is located in the left side of the heart. The heart has four chambers, two on the right, two on the left. This mitral valve separates the upper chamber from the lower chamber in the left side of the heart. So this valve can actually leak or it can be too tight. So we call that regurgitation or stenosis, uh, respectively. So how important is the early diagnosis as being crucial to improve outcome prediction? And what are some valuable prognostic tools to aid in early diagnosis of mitral valve disease? That is a very important question, and I'm glad you asked, because as of 2014, the guidelines for mitral valve surgery have changed. In the past, to give you contrast, Valve surgery was indicated only if patients were very symptomatic or if the damage to the bottom side of the left heart that I described to you had already occurred. Today, it's indicated to fix a mitral valve if the patient has severe mitral regurgitation, even if they don't have symptoms. The whole point is to prevent that structural damage to the heart that happens over time. So we're trying to catch the disease before the damage is done. So to speak, we're trying to, in a case of a diabetic, we're trying to correct the sugars before they lose their their toes or they lose vision. So the end organ damage is done. So with that, one of the things that's done is that if somebody is known to have a mitral murmur or a murmur of the heart, which is something that your doctor, uh, GP, could listen to with a stethoscope, they should have an echocardiogram. And an echocardiogram will tell us which valve is affected, in this case, the mitral valve. And if it is affected, is it because it's too tight or because it's leaking? And if either of the two is severe, that is severe mitral stenosis or tightness or severe mitral regurgitation or leakage of the valve, then that should lead to a referral to a cardiologist and or a surgeon, even if the patient is not symptomatic. And the reason for that is that we will prevent by treating it early all the downstream effects of enlarging of the upper and lower chambers of the heart and the loss of the function of the heart. So speak about patient selection criteria. What kind of patient would be a good candidate? So mitral valve disease does not choose patients, and frankly, we see it in all age groups. There are different categories of what causes the valve to be leaking or to be tight. For example, a mitral valve that's too tight is often a secondary effect of having had rheumatic fever as a child. That is, a simple strep throat that went untreated as a child, as an adult, can lead to a very tight valve. And that needs a valve replacement. That is one form of operation for the mitral valve. Other forms of mitral disease are degenerative mitral valve disease. That is, patients who have leakage of the valve because the valve has suffered a structural damage. To give you an analogy, a parachute and a canopy of a parachute is held down by the strings. If you cut the strings, the canopy will move sideways. The same for the mitral valve. The valve has two sides and each one is held by strings attaching it to the lower part of the heart. If one of those strings gets cut or torn, the valve will fail. 
and you will have leakage. So that's called degenerative mitral valve disease. In that circumstance, us, the medical community, we do not know what causes this. We haven't gotten to a gene or a form of inheritance of this, but it does happen quite commonly. And in fact, it's the most common form of degenerative mitral valve damage. When that is the case, that valve can oftentimes be fixed that is repaired. And uh, if that is not successful or not possible, then the valve can be replaced. Now, there are two ways of approaching the mitral valve in terms of surgery. One is a conventional standard approach, which has been with us for the last 50 years, which is doing a median sternotomy, that is opening the breastbone and performing the operation using the heart-lung machine, opening, stopping the heart and then opening the heart to look at the valve and repair it or replacing it, depending on what the patient needs. The other new form, or newer form, I should say, because it's been with us since 1998, yet is not widely adopted on the basis of the expertise in different centers, but the results are great, is the minimally invasive approach. Now, the minimally invasive approach entails going through a different axis other than the sternum. So the sternum is not opened, and through the rib cage in the, on the right side of the chest wall, we make a very small incision, about three and a half centimeters, and we also make a very small incision in the groin for the heart-lung machine to be connected to the patient. And once we're on bypass, we can just as easily open the heart and look at a valve and fix it or replace it both in the one sitting. So this newer approach allows patients a faster recovery. I mean, patients traditionally would stay in the hospital between five and seven days after open-heart surgery. Sometimes patients are going home in three days after open-heart surgery, and their discomfort from the incision is minimal. Uh, at times, we have patients that do not take a narcotic for days uh, after the operation. And so that's a significant improvement in the way we can approach the valve. Now, newer technologies are coming in. Uh, one of which is the MitroClip, and I'm sure we will talk more about that in the future, but the MitroClip is uh, an approach through the groin, through a vein, just like having an angiogram, but through a vein where we go through the groin and into the heart, and we can pinch together the two edges of the leaflets of the mitral valve that are making it leak, and with that, decreasing the leakage. And we do that at the Christ Hospital, and we're very successful at it. That is only approved for patients who are very, very high risk for open-heart surgery, as it is right now, dictated by the FDA. Other therapies are coming, and the Christ Hospital will be participating in these therapies, uh, which imply replacing, not repairing, but replacing the mitral valve with catheter therapy. As it, as it stands right now, the newer technologies will be done through the tip of the heart by making a very small incision on the left chest and accessing the apex or the tip of the heart, and through that, putting in a very small catheter through which the, the valve will be deployed within the patient's own mitral valve and will replace it, much like we do nowadays with TAVR, which is a transcatheter aortic valve replacement. But in this situation, it would be for the mitral valve. That technology will be with us at the Christ Hospital in the way of research uh, in the next three to four months. TCH is unique for having a comprehensive valve program, doctor, and being a leader in research trials. Are there some other treatments or research that you would like to speak about at the Christ Hospital Health Network that other physicians may not be aware of? Sure. Uh, we are participating in multiple trials, as you well mentioned, some of which are dedicated exclusively to valves. In the TAVR, or transcatheter aortic valve replacement field, we have been pioneering this. Dr. Dean Kiriakas, Dr. Sarenbach, and Dr. Chu have been pioneering this. Uh, and uh, one of the things we're doing is a study looking at treating patients that have severe aortic valve stenosis or tightening of the aortic valve before they become symptomatic and 
Another one is to treating patients who are low risk for surgical open heart surgery. In those patients, we can randomize them to either getting open heart surgery or getting a transcatheter valve through the groin. These are two important research trials that we have ongoing as it is. On the mitral valve aspect, for those patients who have a very, very low power of the heart, where their heart is very deteriorated for X, Y, or Z reason, we have a trial ongoing. It's called the COAP trial that is meant to evaluate those patients and see if applying a clip to the mitral valve in the setting of severe mitral leakage would help them improve their quality of life and prolong their life. That's another research trial we're doing. So in summary, Dr., Please tell other physicians what you'd like them to know about recognizing mitral valve disease and the need for replacement and when to refer to a specialist. I would like to, to reiterate the availability of the multiple therapies we have for the mitral valve at the Christ Hospital nowadays. We perhaps have the most uh, prolific options for patients out there with mitral valve disease in general in the city. We have, on the one hand, for patients who are good candidates for surgery, we can repair or replace their valves, depending on the circumstances, through a median sternotomy, which is the conventional approach, or we can do it through a minimally invasive approach through the right thoracotomy, obtaining excellent results for both repair and replacement. We also have, for those who are not a good candidate for open-heart surgery, the MitroClip, So we're going down the road of patients who are obviously sicker, and we have options for them. For those patients who may not be amenable for a microclip, in the very near future, we will have availability for research of valves that can be implanted through catheters without open heart surgery, without stopping the heart. And ultimately, at the end of the spectrum, at the very end of the spectrum, the sickest of the sickest patients, those who have very low power of the heart and have severe mitral regurgitation, who are almost... Uh, at the end of the rope, so to speak, we have therapies for heart failure, which is called left ventricular assist device or LVAD. And that device can be a life-saving measure that can improve quality of life dramatically. So we have a complete fan of options for patients who have mitral valve disease. I would add to that that the guidelines have changed for those patients who have been recognized to have mitral valve regurgitation and yet have no symptoms that it is important to identify it and treat it early before the onset of symptoms and before, more importantly, the onset of the damages that mitral regurgitation can cause within the heart. So for those patients who have been identified to have severe mitral regurgitation and have a normal functioning heart, it is important to address it at that moment before things get worse. Thank you so much, doctor, for being with us today. You're listening to Expert Insights, Physician Views and News with the Christ Hospital Health Network. To learn more about Dr. Mario Castillo-Sang and all of the Christ Hospital physicians, please visit tchpconnect.org. That's tchpconnect.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.